All right, let's hit the field. It is Saturday, January 13th, and start spreading the news. We are more than halfway through the Major League Baseball offseason. Thank God. Joining me tonight is Ken Rosenthal, MLB insider from The Athletic and Fox National Baseball Telecasts. He also hosts the incredibly popular podcast Fair Territory with Ken Rosenthal. And we're going to talk about what's next for the New York Yankees as they look to get back to the top of the heap. This is NYY Recaps. Welcome to Yankee Stadium. <laughs> Just when they thought I was out. They pull me back in. <laughs> All right. Welcome to Ken Rosenthal. Uh, thank you for taking time out of your schedule for my audience. I'm sure they appreciate it. Uh, how you doing? Doing well, Derek. How are you? I'm great. I'm great, especially since you're here. So first off, before we get to the Yankees, you've been covering baseball for a long time. I won't say how long, uh, but this was your you first. Say how long. <laughs> it's, it's been almost 50 years now or 40 years at least almost 40 yeah 40 uh yeah i overshot with the 50 there that's my bad <laughs> <laughs> uh, the lighting isn't that bad look you this was your first year as a baseball podcaster so welcome to the club how was your rookie year well it was my rookie year doing it the way i'm doing it now which is with a youtube show and a podcast but i had done podcasting for the athletic uh for a couple of years before I did the show with Fair Territory, Foul Territory, those guys. And that was a different show. That was with a host, and he would kind of ask me to answer listener questions. This show is me entirely on my own. It's a lot more work, but I do enjoy it, Derek. Thanks. Yeah, we enjoy listening to you. I, I guarantee at some point in 2024, you're going to have the number one baseball podcast in America. And since we have The Martian, it's worth noting that living at a time when we don't know if there's life elsewhere in the cosmos. If you have number one on Earth, then you're going to have number one in the known universe. So let's, let's, <laughs> let's hear it for that. That's marketing. That's a good point. I don't know if it's getting to be that good, but hopefully we'll do well with it. And hopefully people will listen and watch. It's basically a lot of me, but it works, I guess, for the people who are interested. All right. So it looks like in the chat, people are ready to talk some Yankees baseball. So uh, let's get started here. Uh, you've said that the Yankees, in addition to Marcus Stroman, need to pick up another starting pitcher. I think every Yankees fan is in agreement with that. I look at Marcus Stroman as more of a, uh, a Domingo Herman substitute type of type of pitcher, uh, maybe backfilling some of what we we traded away to get Juan Soto. On foul territory, you mentioned Jesus Lazardo. So the audience has taken kind of a liking to him. To me, he looks like a little bit of a, a Johan Santana in there. Uh, do you think the Yankees match up well in a trade with the Marlins? And if not, what other starting pitchers are realistic at this point, given how much the Yankees have already spent? They could match up with the Marlins. Certainly they have enough prospects. Virtually every team does. It's a question of willingness. And after the Soto trade and after trading a lot of pitching prospects in previous years and other deals, the question becomes, what is their appetite? And the Marlins will want a lot for Lazardo. It's three years of control versus the two that the White Sox have with Dylan C. So it's one additional year. He's their ace for the most part. I mean, Yuri Perez is, but he's developing still. Sandy Alcantara is, but he's recovering from Tommy John surgery. So it would not be easy to get Lazardo. It would take a lot, but 
again, if you're the New York Yankees and you've got Aaron Judge and Garrett Cole in their primes, and maybe only this year with Juan Soto, it seems to me it would behoove them to make that kind of move, even if it might set them back a little bit in terms of prospect inventory. Do you think that the Marlins need what the Yankees have in terms of prospects to make that work? Actually, the Marlins' biggest need is shortstop. The Yankees certainly can satisfy that, even without Volpe. They don't have to include Volpe. They can send Peraza in that deal. And they would want, I am sure, pitching back for Luzardo as well. And that's been depleted with the Yankees. But they still have pitchers that they could send back. Some of the candidates for the fifth starter job right now would be, or actually the sixth starter would be with Stroman. (laughs) They would be guys that possibly you can include in a deal. So if you're asking me if they have what it takes, I believe they do. I don't know what the Marlins exactly would ask for. Maybe they would want more than that. Actually, they would want more than that. But at the same time, it seems that there is the potential for a match there. Yes. And just the the last little tack onto this is Blake Snell still negotiating with the Yankees or is that something that the Yankees have kind of moved on because of his price tag do you think they've moved on for now but it's never over until it's over with free agents and man I remember many years ago Mark Teixeira and the Yankees were not in on him not in on him not in on him and then bang it was a Saturday afternoon in fact they signed him December 22nd yep it can change quickly it can change if Hal Steinbrenner decides one day, you know what, I kind of want this guy. I don't know that that will happen. That doesn't seem to be Hal's nature. But if Snell's price gets to a reasonable point from the Yankees' perspective, then yes, they would be back in, I am quite certain. I am just not sure it will get to that point. There are other teams, of course, that need starting pitchers right now. Red Sox, Giants, I can go right down the line. Blue Jays, Cubs, there are a number of teams. And someone, in my opinion, some team, is going to give Blake Snell what he wants. All right, let's talk a little bit about the offense. Uh, The Yankees have made some upgrades this offseason in Verdugo and Soto. Obviously, they needed some left-handed bats. But one upgrade they could definitely have internally is if John Carlos Stanton gets going again. People forget that in 2022, this guy was the All-Star Game MVP. He was off to a really good start. But it seems like since that injury post-All-Star break, he's really kind of nosedived in terms of his production. So what are you hearing about John Carlo? Do you think that you know he's, he's unsalvageable, or do you think there's a chance he could bounce back? I don't see him as unsalvageable. And he has made a commitment to getting into better shape. You've seen photos of him this offseason. He looks thinner. Now, I don't know that weight was necessarily a problem for him. It wasn't like he was a fat guy, but it might have been, in his view, he hasn't really talked much about this, a case of being almost too muscle-bound, and perhaps that was causing the injuries in his mind. They need him to be good, obviously. They need him to be not just an offensive player, but a base runner, and at times also a defender. If he can get back in the outfield, that opens things up. I don't know that it's going to happen. He's a year older, but he is committed. And I thought at the end of last season, those comments when he said how disappointed he was and how he had let people down. I know fans get on him, and I understand why. It's a performance game. But he was obviously taking all of this to heart. And he recommitted or rededicated himself to getting back into a better physical place. And we'll see where that takes him. 
One thing I've noticed is that after the season, we didn't see a lot of pictures of Giancarlo traveling the world like we usually do, where he's, you know, riding a camel in Egypt or, you know, partying in, uh, in uh, you know, South Beach. It seems like he kind of went off the grid and he's been doing that Rocky Four style thing where he's climbing a mountain and getting ready to fight Drago. I'm all for it, man. I'm all for it. Um, speaking of a, a fight, the Yankees have a fight to, to win the division next year, obviously. Uh, the Orioles were so good this year. It reminds me a little bit of my glory days watching baseball growing up when the Orioles and Yankees had that great rivalry in the 90s, you know, 96, 97. You know, Yankees get David Wells, Orioles get Jimmy Key, uh, they're back and forth. I would really love to see that battle come back. It surprises me that the Orioles haven't done anything major to upgrade, especially given their youth. Do you think that given the lack of upgrades to the Orioles and the other teams in the division, that the Yankees additions might put them in a, in a place to maybe win that division again. It's a good question. And it's a good way you put it there, Derek. Certainly they're going to be in the mix I would expect. And the Orioles have not gotten the top of the rotation started that they wanted. And there are a couple of reasons for that. One is that they were never going to spend at the top of the market. That's not where they are financially. Maybe they could be there, but that's not where they're going. They also have not been able to swing a trade for Lizardo or Cease or any of these other guys we're talking about, and that's been their focus. Obviously, the Orioles and other teams, including the Yankees, feel that those teams are asking too much for those pitchers, and that's why a deal hasn't been completed. I can see the Orioles still being very good even if they do nothing, and they're going to do something. They can get a second-tier free agent like a Paxton, a Lorenzen, a Clevenger, a Ryu, they can also supplement their bullpen. They've already added Craig Kimbrell. They can do some things. And their front four isn't bad. It's Bradish. It's Grayson Rodriguez. It's Dean Kramer. And who am I missing here? I'm missing somebody pretty good. Do, is Means back with them or did – John Means. John Means. Means. Yes. Sorry about that. Sorry for the brain cramp. What would you do without and, me, Ken? <laughs> Derek, I don't know. So that's a pretty good front four. But they still need to replace Kyle Gibson's 192 innings. And they still need that veteran ace to be a World Series contender. Can they compete in the East in this particular mode? Yes, absolutely they can and will, but they still need more. All right, let's talk about the corner infields. And if it seems like I'm going fast with Ken, it's because we got about five minutes left. Ken is busy this time of year, folks, and this is going to be one of the busier Januaries that we've seen in a while. So let's talk about the corner infield for the Yankees. Uh, obviously, DJ LeMahieu had a down year if you look at his overall numbers, but he kind of bounced back a little bit once they brought in Sean Casey as a hitting coach. And Oswald Peraza, again, didn't get a lot of playing time. It felt like he had a tr trouble getting it going, but he's shown enough f flashes that I think he will hit, and we know he can, he can defend. Rizzo coming back from post-concussion syndrome – I kind of want to get your feel as what the Yankees are planning for third base and what the history is of guys coming back from concussions and being able to hit again. I imagine a lot of the Mayhew at third base with maybe some Peraza mixed in. That would probably be something that they would do. They can bounce the Mayhew to other positions as well. Second base, of course, first base at times. And with Rizzo, it's a bit of an unknown, but it's not like his career is over. And he should be fully recovered here. And I know he missed a lot of time last year. But I don't expect this problem to linger. Now, in the NFL, I think we see concussions chase people out of the game from time to time. I don't know that we've seen that in baseball. I covered Brian Roberts in Baltimore mm. I don't know, in the 2000s. He had some really tough concussions, but he came back. 
And I can't think of other examples right now, but I'm sure there are others. And Joe Maurer, different story entirely. He had repeated concussions as a catcher, made a move to first base. You can say he wasn't the same player, but I'm not sure it was because of the concussions as much as he just declined. So it's hard to say. We don't know what the lingering effects, if any, will be, but they're certainly counting on Rizzo, and he's counting on himself to be a productive player again. Yeah, I think a Clint Frazier, too, because he he came up with yep. the Yankees and got off to that pretty good start. You remember that walk-off home run that he hit against the Brewers, and then he had the concussion, and he's really never quite been the same. I think Jacoby Ellsbury also had some concussions, but Jacoby Ellsbury had a lot of things going on. <laughs> he did. Uh, all right, so the question that's going to be on everybody's mind all season, much as it was with Aaron Judge last year, can the Yankees re-sign Juan Soto? We know that they can Will they be willing to go above and beyond what they offered Aaron Judge? They weren't willing to do that for Yamamoto, you know, in deference to Garrett Cole, possibly. But Soto's a little bit of a different story to me. I don't think, you know, given his, I guess, resume in the major leagues, that Judge would have a big problem with that. He's much different than Judge was as a potential free agent. He's much younger. Juan Soto is going to be a free agent at 26. I believe Aaron Judge was going into his age 31 season. I'm not positive. Maybe it was age 30. Okay. So that's a five-year difference. That's a huge thing. And I don't know that Judge would mind the Yankees going above him. I don't know that Cole would have minded them going above him for Yamamoto. I'm not sure. So players understand that the market shifts. And one of the reasons Aaron Judge wanted to push the market and get 360 was to set a platform for the next guy coming up. Juan Soto is one of those guys. So that aspect of it, I don't expect to be the issue at all. The issue is Juan Soto is not represented by Aaron Judge's agents who understood the value of keeping him there. He's represented by Scott Boris, who I'm sure would love Juan Soto to sign with the Yankees for $500 million plus, but is going to push this and push this and push it to the extreme, trying to get maximum value. That's his job. And it's not necessarily true that that maximum value is going to come from the Yankees. It could come from the Red Sox. It could come from any number of teams. So that's the problem with free agency. You always have the potential for other teams to jump in. Juan Soto is going to be a free agent. That's pretty clear. I don't expect an extension. You never hardly ever see Scott Boris clients sign extensions. So it will be a matter of whether the Yankees will have the highest bid. And when you've got Cole at 324 and Judge at 360, do you want Juan Soto at 500? They should. Will they do it? I don't know. And it's going to be at least 500 in my opinion. Yeah, that's it's going to be a big, big contract. I, for one, am looking forward to watching him play. Ken, thanks for taking the time to run through these pressing Yankees topics with us. Everybody subscribe to Fair Territory on all your audio platforms. It's also available on the Foul Territory YouTube channel. Ken, you're a living legend. Appreciate you joining today. Thank you very much. Thank you, Derek. Appreciate it. All right, bye-bye. Boom.